What's good, friends? This is episode 33 of the Game Pass Gamecats, coming at you. For decades, Rockstar Games has been one of gaming's greatest entities, known for their mesh of stellar gameplay and incredible world building. But for the first time since the publisher's inception, one of its founding members and one of game development's most prolific names, Dan Hauser, will not be along for the ride in the next gen starting in March. So, it begs the question, what does that mean for the future of Rockstar Games? So, this week, Adam and I sit down to talk about the legacy of Rockstar Games, and how integral Dan Hauser's narrative touch was to that success, and what a future without his iconic satirical touch could look like for the New York-based gaming giant. Plus, Anthem is officially getting revamped, but does Bioware still have the magic touch to pull it off? Also, Bill Spencer forecasts bold and brash reveals with the Xbox Series X in the coming months. We'll break it all down with all the details, and much more, on the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. So the Game Pass Game Cash, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox and Xbox Game Pass, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get one of those fresh podcasts at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show and them video games alike. We went one week in a row. It's like, it's like... It's like the, uh, whenever you see it, a factory, it's like, blank days since accident. It's literally blank days since everybody was able to be on the show all together for once. We had we had a one show that we had all three of us on, so unfortunately, that couldn't continue. <laughs> Mike <laughs> Mike is busy this week. He had to do, you know, adult stuff, un- unlike Adam and I tonight, where we're going to talk about video games. But uh, Mike will be back next week, I'm sure. Joining us today, joining me today. My man, Adam Marshy Marsh. Adam, what's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing in the video game world? I'm doing pretty good, Travis. Um, I lately have been playing, drumroll please, <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> I put together a little mod pack for some of my friends to play, and while it hasn't been approved by Twitch yet, uh, you can launch Minecraft through Twitch and like do custom mod profiles and whatnot. No trying shit, to get that really? approved. Yeah, uh, there are mods. <laughs> you can download them through Twitch that are distributed by the mod authors, and you mm-hmm. can assemble little mod packs. You can browse the mod packs that they offer, and. If you create one yourself, uh, you have to get it approved for other people to be able to download it through the Twitch app. So Uh, I'm in the process of getting that done, but I mean, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I think it just takes time for a human to look at it. True. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. Um, But while I'm waiting for that, I'm just herding cats trying to get all of my friends to like (laughs) install this manually and kind of teach them the ropes. And it's been a lot of fun. You got a you got a kind of James Woods uh, family guy. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Just kind of luring their asses yeah, back like, in. Okay, did you download the zip file? Okay, <laughs> no. Go download the zip file. <laughs> sounds like me trying to like show my mom how to use Google Docs the other day. She was like, wait, what do you mean? We don't need to buy Word? I'm like, no. No, you don't. You really don't. I promise you, you can go. It's free now. She's like, my God, Travis, the scales have fallen <laughs> from my eyes. <laughs> yeah, literally. 
<laughs> she was like, because we're starting to get together our uh, uh, save the dates and shit like that for the wedding coming up, mm-hmm. and um, which I need to also get your address for that for some reason. I do not have it. Um, but uh, yeah, she was like, I she was like, uh, I want to start going through and like adding addresses. Can you like send me how to do that? And I was like, she's like, because I don't think I have Word on here. I'm like, oh, well, you could just use Google Docs. She's like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 Google Docs. It's it's. She's like, so it's just word and it's free like free free i'm like yeah 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 mom it is <laughs> and she was literally like galaxy brain style yeah just... so yeah learn something new every day from that perspective but anyway you playing anything else besides the minecraft i feel like that's never ended for you but anything a little besides bit of halo reach still still scratching that itch man halo reach baby. i'm still pissed i had to uninstall it because for some reason the game pass app wasn't working well, it was working, but it wouldn't launch it after a while. So I had to uninstall it, but then every time I tried to reinstall it, it would get like 10 megabytes done and it just kind of sit there and stall. So I'm like, hmm. okay, well, I guess I can't, you know, play that on here anymore. That's awesome. Uh, That's on shame. PC, on PC, I mean, but um, yeah, you know, on the Xbox, it works fine. But uh, but besides that, just Minecraft, Halo Reach, nothing really too out of the ordinary, I guess. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, I... I talked about uh, Infinifactory on last episode, so that's already covered. I haven't been playing much more of that. Gotcha, gotcha. On my end, um, I know I talked about it last week, but I was pretty close to the end. And, uh, you know, I don't want to hang on it too long because I'm sure we're going to talk about it. At least touch on these experiences a lot more in our big topic this week. But uh, Mm -hmm. finally, after owning this game multiple times, I think I've bought it three different times now. Um... But since it first launched in 2013, I finally beat the main campaign of uh, Grand Theft Auto V. I went through, just was like, I'm just going to mainline the the main story missions, you know, take the critical path, hit all those up. And, you know, it. I've always resonated with Red Dead a little bit more um, and more so with, and like I said, we're probably going to dive deep into this if you see the title of the show this week, you know, you probably know what we're going to talk about, um, because there's some big news coming out of that developer, but, you know, I've always resonated with Red Dead a little bit more, it's, it was always the realism, and maybe it was because my dad raised me on, you know, um, you know, John Wayne movies growing up, and the western style, Davy Crockett's, you know, very, like, I've always resonated with that style of, you know, or genre in, you know, entertainment in that medium, but I still have always loved Grand Theft Auto. It's a great series, and especially this one, it's it's the best-selling and great, or what is it? It's like best-selling game entity in history or something now, Grand Theft Auto Five. at least. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so I finally beat that. Don't know why it took me fucking seven years almost to do that. It'd be like, like I've tried on multiple attempts, but, and it always would click, but then there'd be like something else that would come up that I'm like, you know, that's just going to scratch that itch more that I want to play that now. That's on, that's the zeitgeist right now. It's the, it's the, you know, whether it's I'm covering stuff for the show, for when I write, for when, whenever I'm making some kind of content or just because I want to play the game. Something else comes up that is always dragging me, drug me away from there. So, uh, but I did finish it. Loved it. Still great. Uh, does make me kind of want to, you know, fuck around in Los Santos a little more. Who knows if I'll go back and do that? But um, at least in the time being. But uh, it really, which I never thought. I'll be honest. I never thought I'd say that. Not because it was bad. Because I absolutely adored the game. 
it makes me want to kind of jump back into Red Dead 2 and replay that. Um, but that's like 50 hours of my life that I would need to commit to that. And we got fucking Doom Eternal right around the corner, Animal Crossing. <laughs> then we get into heavy hitters of Final Fantasy VII Remastered and, or Remake and then Last of Us right after that. Plus a couple of other games I want to play in between. There's just there's just not enough time. Too many video games. Too many good games out there. Um, but yeah, played that. Rolled on that. It was great. Loved it. Um, but then started um, Evil Within 2. I uh, haven't really played too much of it, but it's just mind-blowing how drastically different the the these two entries are with comparative to, or I should say, it's mind-blowingly crazy how different the first and second entries are. Um, aesthetically, they're somewhat similar. Gunplay still feels pretty much the same, but in terms of games, one, the first one being so linear and so point A to point B, where this one's not open world, but it's, it almost feels like, how do I want to put it? It, it? it feels very, like, I mean, they're from the creator of Resident Evil 4, so it has that Resident Evil bloodline in it, and they were always going to be compared to Resident Evil, especially the first one, very much was always, this is very much Resident Evil 4, its spiritual successor in terms of the gameplay mechanics and whatnot, um, which is great. I love the first Evil Within 2. I know some people, you know, had some issues with it, but I personally loved it. Um, but second one, I'm only a couple hours into it. Really awesome, but it's very, it's very much more fleshed out. There's more, you're able to tackle different enemies and objectives in different ways there's not just one straight linear path like you need to beat this boss this way if there's you know one area of zombies or enemies i can i can go in right through the main line or i can climb on top of a building and throw a bottle and i can distract them over there and then there's oil leaking over there i could shoot that or i could do what like there's so many different avenues you can go down um and there just be different you know not necessarily side quests but different objectives around the map that would just they'll just be beacons um with a radius around them not necessarily telling you it'll be like oh there's a weapons cache over there why don't you go and check that out that's how you get new weapons comparative to you're just going through the storyline of evil within one and you just naturally get more weapons along the way just in typical resident evil fashion um Mm -hmm. but this one's more oh well, at least, granted, like I said, I'm only, like, maybe two hours in, two and a half at most. Um, I haven't really had much time to play it just because of life and shit like that getting in the way. But from what it seems like, at least, you gain weapons. You could probably beat the game with minimal weapons comparative to the first one where you were getting progressively just getting weapons while you were critical pathing the game, where this one is much more, hey... You don't need you don't need the double barrel shotgun, but it's down over there in that weapons cache. Yeah, you might have to beat a witch to get it, but mm-hmm. if you dig deep enough, it's it's worth the gamble. Um, so I'm really liking it. I'm really excited to keep going with it. Like I said, playing GTA kind of made me want to jump back into Red Dead, but I'm gonna I gotta temper that. I gotta temper that just a little bit. You know, as long as I can, as long as I can bide my time between. In terms of leading into the next huge game that I'm probably going to end up playing is Final Fantasy VII Remake. In terms of like, hey, this is like a 50, 60 hour game. Like, this is the only game you're going to be playing for like two weeks type of deal. Yeah. Um, You know, that's probably going to be the next one that I really sink my teeth in. That it's not, you know, I'll beat it within a week type of thing. Um, So I'm trying to push off those huge massive titles like Persona. Like, um, what was another game that I kind of wanted to jump back into? Uh, 
I can't remember. There was another one, but yeah, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to temper that, those things because I know there's just, I just don't want to be burnt out when I get to that because I'm, it's one of my, uh, Final Fantasy VII is one of my most anticipated games this year. I don't want to just be like fatigued on dense RPG-esque games, I guess. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's PlayStation stuff. We don't wanna, this is Xbox. We're talking about Xbox, but before we jump into the news and get into our show, we got a little bit of housekeeping. It's our Doom Eternal giveaway. Are you hyped for Doom Eternal? I know we are because I never shut the fuck up about it. Um, and we want to make sure you're in on the action. So we're giving away one free copy of Doom Eternal for Xbox One or PC to one lucky listener. And entering is very, very easy. So follow us over on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Retweet the pin tweet about the contest. And boom, that's it. You're entered. Simple as that. But if you want to improve your odds of winning, You can get an extra entry by tagging a friend in the tweet about the contest. So then, at least if you're like me, and unlucky, very much so like me, (laughs) um, hopefully you have a buddy that wins, so you could just mooch off of them. Because, you know, if they're one of your close friends, they're not going to be like, okay, get off. Like, no, go buy your own (laughs) fucking game. (laughs) No, you'll at least be like, ah, come on, let me me fetch the controller over here. So uh, I'll also have the tweet in in the description wherever you get the show's you know, or you listen to the show or whatever. So you literally have no excuse to enter. We'll put the winner on March 13th episode of the show. So make sure you enter by March 12th, 1159 PM Eastern standard time. So we're talking like basically nine o'clock Pacific. Yeah. You know, numbers, numbers and time. It's hard. You know, I, I, wherever else you're in the world, fucking figure it out. Um, Three hour difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, numbers, they're hard. Uh, so head on over to at GPGC podcast day and enter. Adam, let's jump into the news real quick before we get into our big topic today. Got a couple of news stories here, which we're recording a little bit earlier in the week, which normally is kind of hurts us on the news end, um, but kind of a couple big ones that came out. So first one I want to start with, Bioware plans a, quote, substantial reinvention of Anthem. So this comes over on Kotaku via Ethan Gatch. You know, like I said, as always, links in the description, go over there, give Ethan a click, because that stuff does matter to those guys, so... BioWare will seek to, quote, reinvent Anthem's gameplay in a, quote, longer-term redesign of the embattled online multiplayer action game, studio head Casey Hudson said today in a blog post. This confirms a Kotaku report from November. Quote, over the coming months, we will be focusing on a longer-term redesign of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards. While persevering or preserving the fun of flying and fighting in a vast science fantasy setting, Hudson wrote in a post. And to do that properly, we'll be doing something we'd like to have done more of the first time around, giving a focused team the time to test and iterate, focusing on gameplay first. Anthem had a messy launch last February. Nearly a year later, it still feels like an incomplete game. Most post-launch content updates ended up being delayed. Over the following summer and fall, major figures on the development team, like lead producer Ben Irving and head of live services Chad Robertson, departed Bioware. While this led some prominent YouTubers and players in the community to believe that Anthem was being abandoned, sources within the studio told Kotaku in November that it was actually working on a more drastic overhaul of the game, internally referring to it as, quote, Anthem 2.0 or Anthem Next. It was still unclear at the time what the product of that process would ultimately be, a big No Man's Sky Next style update perhaps, or even relaunching the new version of Anthem as a separate game. Quote, we spent a few months just tearing it down and figuring out what we need to change fundamentally, in parentheses, a lot, which 
No shit. Um, one person working on the redesign told Kotaku last year, and we've been rebuilding for another few months since. Hudson added in today's post that during this process, Anthem will still be supported with refreshes to the in-game store and new events, including something planned around the game's one-year anniversary on February 22nd. He did not, however, offer a timetable for when uh, the next phase of Anthem is. So, Adam, I threw this in last second just because I didn't get a chance to see it. I heard about, I'd read the original report back in November that Bioware was planning, or at least the report was saying Bioware's planning to basically overhaul Anthem and do kind of what Ethan mentioned in this article. A very much, very much so No Man's Sky next, like, brand new, we're gonna just, we're gonna put our heads down, go to work reinvent this game take all the negativity on the chin but take it to heart and rebuild this from the ground up um do you i know we've kind of talked about this before i mean do you still have faith in bioware to pull something like this off i mean given their lineage given that this is still the team that has brought us critically acclaimed mass effect games critically acclaimed star wars titles and kotor in terms of you know, an RPG, they've always been great in meshing RPG elements and story too, and story being the one big thing that Anthem missed. I mean, do you, do you have faith in Bioware to really pull this off in 2020 and beyond? I think they can do it. I think uh, when you hit the pavement that hard on the launch of a game like Anthem, uh, you have to learn a lot of lessons, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that went wrong was definitely picked apart in great detail by all the people over at Bioware, and uh, I'm sure they're working really hard to to bring something that's going to be more appealing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they have the track record to uh, to really back up that they can bring this project back around. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, it was really, I mean, whenever Anthem was first being kind of shown off and really when they blew the doors more open in what was that it must have been the yeah 2018's uh ea play um whenever they kind of blew the doors more open on that and showed more of a deeper dive into the game you know a lot of people had the first thing people said it feels they left kind of saying two things it feels fucking fantastic to fly that javelin that you're in and be in that world from that perspective in terms of controlling your player like it just feels good um but the other thing people were saying was they could already see the holes where this could probably fall flat on their face of you know they're being vague about content uh post-launch content and being a live service game you know what what is going to be the replayability what is going to be the hey okay you finished the you know from what i heard it was pretty damn quick the you know only a handful of hours storyline with it the main storyline that they provide you to go through what's next are you just grinding to grind grinding to get some kind of loot that you know then what then what are you going to use it for there's no other quests or anything like from what like bioware's being very vague about it which was untraditional of them if you ask me i've always felt like they've been very like hey this is what we're doing hey this is what's next hey this is you know what we're planning to do with this so I I think it's just a swing and a miss for them. And I think it's just, and it, it, it sucks to see it right after Mass Effect Andromeda and that being so poorly received. And now a lot of people are saying, hey, it's in a much better state. They were very quiet about that game, but they've done a lot of fixes to it. It plays very well now. A lot of people like it. Um, but in terms of, 
being a developer with such lineage and still having so many ties to that, the things that brought them that success before, I think, I think they're going to be okay. I think they still have a lot of, I know they talked about a lot of bigger figures within the company leaving, but there's still a lot of people who are invested in this title are still providing content. Granted, they're kind of axing some traditional, like, Hey, this is what we're doing until then. Yada, yada. But I, I always, when I look at this stuff, I look at, Hey, look at three, four, three. And I know Mike may disagree with me or whatever, but they took a game that was at the time four plus years old and said, no, we have something, there's something here and there's something that people want instead of just fucking throwing it away. Let's build it back up. Let's take this, this IP that people like, and people obviously still dig Anthem because there's still fucking people playing it. If they're sending out like things to their active player base, there's still people playing this and still people investing in this game because there's something there. Um, you know, so instead of just abandoning it, let's say, Hey, let's put our head down and let's get to work and let's just fucking fix this. Um, and let's get it to a place where we can then say, Hey, this shit's good. Come and at least just try it out. Here's, here's a free month of Anthem next or whatever it would be that comes out. Anthem 2.0, you can get in for free for your first month. After that, it's 10 bucks, but we want you to just come in and just fucking try the game out. Have fun with it. And if you like it and you want to stay, here's a battle pass. that's 10 bucks. That'll get you everything else under the sun to come and play this game. So, I still have faith because it's Bioware and I've seen them do amazing things with talented people and they have the EA backing, which granted EA is EA, but they have a fuck ton of money and they're at least willing to say, okay, we at least think we see something here with this game. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm also not the biggest, you know, games as a service player, but me neither for sure. I, I, from what I did play of Anthem, I only played the beta back in the day. Uh, whenever it first came out, uh, because I was like balls deep into Kingdom Hearts at that, or Kingdom Hearts three at that time, and I was like, no, I've been fucking waited like a decade for this game. I'm gonna play this now. <laughs> um, but uh, Anthem felt good. It was fun. I I played it on con the beta on console a little bit more. It was it was rough when I played it on PC just because I hadn't updated my PC at the time and it it chugged a little bit on there. So I played it on console. But when I played it on console, it felt good. It was the the gunplay was tight. Um, you know, I, I'm just not a big, like, looter shooter guy. So, like, you know, if the, if you're into that, great. It, it felt like it was good to me. I'm sure there's much more nuanced things with it, um, you know, that people obviously didn't like. So, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the best with Anthem. Um, like I said, I like Bioware. I think they're gonna, they could do great things, and they have the financial backing to do it. So, Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, let's head into the next one here. Uh, and this one, I think you're going to have a lot to kind of talk about, Adam, because you did mention it uh, last week on last week's uh, draft, which you may have to update now uh, because of this. So report system shock three development team is quote, no longer employed. This comes via Eurogamer by Vicky Blake as always link in the description. So, the System Shock 3 development team has reportedly been let go by developer Other Side. In a report by our sibling site VGC, an anon anonymous post uh, purportedly from a former Other Side Entertainment developer has confirmed the entire team is, quote, no longer employed and that the game was, quote, critically behind. The news comes after the departure of several other key colleagues who have left the studio in recent months, including the game's writer, director, designer, or design director and lead programmer, all shared 
uh, all shared the news via their LinkedIn profiles. An anonymous poster claiming to be a former Other Side developer posted on RPG Codex with the username Ken Corn Karn, stating, quote, The only reason I'm posting this is because I saw so much confusion about the state of the company and the project. I thought some first-person information would be welcome. I never suggested we were halfway done. Core systems are a great foundation for a game, but most of the work is content development, which we were critically behind in, both in real assets and in tool support for an efficient pipeline. Was the failure of the project right? It's hard to say, they added. If Starbreeze hadn't gone into crisis, I think we would have delivered something interesting with some fresh and innovative gameplay, but a much smaller game than what people were expecting and inevitably disappointing for a sequel to such a beloved franchise. Those high expectations drove a lot of expensive experimentation. We were a small team and knew we couldn't compete with current immersive sims in production quality and breadth. So we had to be creative and clever and weird. And we are on our way to make something unique and possibly fun, but probably not what the audience was hungry for. When questioned by forums members, Karn added, quote, they don't actually know what's going on, but the team is no longer employed there. But was reluctant to share more, stating they couldn't be more specific without violating their NDA. Of course, this is a little more speculative whispers at present, but VGC reports that a former community manager confirmed this poster's legitimacy. Embattled Swedish game company Starbreeze raised much-needed cash by selling the publishing rights to System Shock 3 back to the game's developer last year. In a short note on its website, Starbreeze said at the time it had sold back the publishing rights to Warren Spector's Other Side Entertainment for System Shock 3 and insisted it would be fully reimbursed for costs the company had uh, endured in connection with the development of the game. Starbreeze failed to disclose how much money it's set to receive as part of the sale, but when it announced it had snapped up System Shock 3 back in 2017, it said it would invest $12 million to help bring the game to PC and other platforms. Starbreeze has partially financed development of System Shock 3 since it signed the game. So, I, I, I didn't really want to cut out a lot of that. So, like I said, go over there, click on that, because that was most of the article. Uh, I want to make sure uh, Vicky gets some clicks over there. But we kind of always talk about how important transparency is in terms of the message you are delivering to your audience, which, you know, normally is kind of a mixed bag ranging from consumers to media to shareholders and kind of everything in between. But this specific situation is kind of a tough nut to crack, mainly because you're dealing with someone's livelihood for the most part um do you think other side is kind of handling this situation correctly currently by keeping this information regarding system shock 3 potentially being scrapped and jobs being lost under wraps until you know a specific message can be conveyed or is this information that needs to be relayed pretty quick um the the what, the only reason i could see why it might need to be relayed very promptly is if there was like already customer buy-in into this uh, project. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, it hasn't been crowdfunded. There's no real buy-in on the term or on the part of the audience so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think they have as much of a responsibility there to to report this as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah, we'll see just how long it anything. takes them to. I don't see anything on here in terms of you know, hey, support the game here type of thing. There's really actually, like, nothing on here. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it's a, it's just kind of a closed-door project at this time, um, mm-hmm. especially being this early on. So we'll see how long it takes them to kind of follow up with this as it gets reported by Eurogamer and other outlets. Um, see if they'll try to, like, 
tell their side of the story, uh, maybe explain a little bit more of what's going on with the studio, or if they just kind of, you know, let it be a mystery because if the if the project is being kind of passed off again and it's it's failed as far as Starbreeze is concerned, then you know maybe we won't get any word. We'll see. I just see Danny O'Dwyer and the No Clip team over there just rubbing their hands like, hey, 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 I smell a documentary of brewing here, boys. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no, but like in, you you're much more connected to this franchise at least in terms of. Well, you might be more connected than you think. You've played Bioshock, right? True. These are the roots. True. Very true. Very true. Um, But you've seemed to at least, like, had a much more vested interest in wanting to play this series. And not that... I'm sure System Shock's great. Obviously, it has a following if it's deemed the third one how many years later. I mean, the second one was, what, like 1999 something like that? Um, Yeah. So, obviously there is some mass appeal to this that it would warrant a third, you know, installment to come back this much later. Um, what is it about like system shock that to you, at least Adam, that kind of makes it stand out comparative to how many other, you know, cyberpunk esque, like first person immersive shooters there are like in terms of, I don't want to say it's like horror, but it's, it's like science fiction shooters, I guess like immersive is- sim. There is some aspect of horror, and and yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Imsim is kind of the uh, the more specific genre that it sort of belongs to. It's in this, uh, I want to say this oeuvre or this movement of like, they call them uh, 0451 games. Okay. And they all share this kind of in-joke where they make reference to a door code that popped up in one of the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, every game that claims to kind of belong to this uh genre i guess we'll make reference to it so it's in it's in the the new prey game it's considered part of the 0451 tradition uh i think it was in the thief games it's in deus x and yeah i think system shock is like the er 0451 game it's it's sort of the progenitor mm-hmm. um but what what really draws you in is kind of this mixture of atmosphere and different ways to approach problems it's it's i hate to pull in this other kind of kludgy genre term that we have but Mm -hmm. uh it just seems to work it's a lot like a metroidvania in a lot of ways there is Hmm. um there's backtracking there's collecting items and increasing your power that lets you reach new areas Mm -hmm. there's um at least in system shock one which i haven't played but i've read a lot about Mm -hmm. Um, they kind of had like this spokes on a wheel type of level design. Um, if you look at stuff like Dark Souls, even it's taking inspiration from that. How like there's this vertical through line and all these spokes are shooting off in different directions and you kind of scale the whole thing as you go. You explore down one passage and then you get something, come back to the hub and then you can go to some other spoke. Mm-hmm. So the level design is is tight and it, it uh, encourages a lot of exploration. The gameplay has always been kind of like just the moment to moment shooting uh, is has always kind of been like just okay, if not even a little bit purposefully clunky to kind of lend to that air of horror and disempowerment. I think it works well for some games more than others. Yeah, I mean, you talking about that, it does... I could just see literally where Bioshock fits in with that. Like you could, you just talking about that. I mean, Bioshock is very much the same way. Um, you know, it's very much, Hey, 
there are going to be some backtracking moments. There are going to be some times that you're within this big open, not open, but like you're in this one area. There's certain areas you can get to now, but there's certain areas that you're going to have to come back to. And like you said, there's that vertical through line that has spokes going up that all lead back to the same place. And you're working towards this one purpose, but you're given, you can almost see, you can almost see the objective for the end of the game right there. You just Mm -hmm. have to go basically from instead of going point a to point b you're going point a point one through 99 before you get to there um yeah so it, it it sucks to see and especially it sucks if you know loss of jobs happens um that's where more or less that it's unfortunate that you know i see both sides to it if you're talking you know well at the end of the day who's you know Whose business is it if somebody's losing their job outside of that person's and the company's? I understand that. But at the same time, the games industry is so tight that it's, hey, you see all the time developers are like, for instance, just because it was the most recent one to I see to pop up. But PlayStation closed their Manchester studio and all kinds of devs were starting to reach out. Hey, just a heads up. We're hiring for all these different positions. Tell make sure you say you're from here we'll try to help you out any way we can. Like mm-hmm. it's just very close knit where people don't want to see people when they're in that position, they're reaching out that hand. Um, so to those people, if it is true, they did lose jobs, best of luck. But um, you know, for the game and if we're talking about just the game specifically, you know, hopefully somebody does pick it up and it does see the light of day because I feel like that kind of game fits so well right now into the zeitgeist of gaming um you know with how many people are wanting another bioshock and are excited about the next bioshock that's coming out um that are really in like they love games like doom eternal that is very much like an immersive sim in a way that here's just this big open playground you know what you have to do but you're going to do all these other things that kind of tie into that along the way then you can go and do that so um Hopefully we see it sees the light of day because it obviously has an audience that wants it. So let's move into the last news article. And this one's more kind of just an, I don't want to say it's an opinion, but opinion piece, but uh, so I'll just kind of get into it and we'll kind of go from there uh, and explain along the way. But Xbox will be quote bold and different with series X series X reveals says Phil Spencer. This comes over on VGC by Andy Robinson link in the description. So Xbox boss Phil Spencer has said the platform will continue to be, quote, bold and different with its Xbox Series X reveals between now and launch. Spencer took the unconventional decision to reveal the next-gen Xbox console at the Game Awards in December instead of a bespoke media event or trade show. He has now admitted that initially he was, quote, wasn't the biggest fan of the Game Awards reveal idea. However, Xbox had told Gamertag Radio that the platform holder feels it needs to approach Series X, quote, in a different way to its past consoles. Quote, the Game Awards decision was actually pushed forward by one of our marketing leads, he explains. She just stood up in the room and said, we should go do something bold, something we've never done before. Let's face it, we're not in the market position we wanted to be for this last generation. I don't think we're going to disrupt or grow our business by doing what we've always done. Let's go and try to do new things. Overall, Spencer said he feels the reveal went well, even though it, quote, could have been a disaster. He said, the thing that really made it work, though, was the work the team did around the video assets that we had. I'd say for both Hellblade and for Series X, I thought both of them back-to-back really played well. It was cool to do it, and I think the response has been great, he added. 
But to be completely honest with you, I could be sitting with you today and it could have been a disaster. You, uh, you have to make those decisions and you have to make them without all the knowledge of how it's going to play out. The Xbox boss added that he likes occasionally trying, quote, something bold and indicated that Xbox will be approaching Series X reveal between now and launch differently to how it has been with past gaming consoles. I'm really happy with the way the Game Awards played out and the response from fans, but every decision we make between now and launch we're trying to think about things in a different way, he said. Some of them will be, or some of them will get right, and some of them we won't. But we're definitely not going to meek. We're going to be bold in what we're going to try to do. Just kind of like I think it's so refreshing, and I'm sure this is going to sound like I mean we're an Xbox focused show, Xbox and PC focused show. You know, of course we're wanting to see Xbox succeed. Hell, I've been on record. I want Nintendo to succeed. I want Sony to succeed. I want. PC gamers to succeed. I want all of everyone to succeed in gaming. The more gamers that are out there, whatever. But you get what I'm saying. Um, but it is really refreshing to have somebody is you know front facing for a company like Phil Spencer say like we are going we're going to get some decisions right, but fuck we're not going to get all of them right. We're probably not going to do something right. Like it's it's real. It's great to have somebody be realistic with the expectations that they know that. You know, you can't please everybody. Some of these, some of these people are just going to shit on you because it's Xbox, and you know they're Sony fanboys, or vice versa. You know, when Sony comes out, you know, Xbox fanboys are gonna shit on Sony for no fucking reason because it's a different console than theirs. So, you know, it, it, it's at least refreshing to know have somebody who's been very vocal about we want to see everyone succeed we just want more people playing video games um and granted they're also trying to play catch up this generation but so kind of talking on big and bold here so we know the vr at least for the time being isn't going to be a focus for xbox in the future but adam what are other avenues you could see microsoft taking when wanting to make bold statements regarding the reveal of the series x and even for the foreseeable future of the next generation of consoles I think you start to see some of that with their attitude towards a couple of different things. Performance is one. Mm -hmm. Play wherever and however you want is the other. Those are the attitudes that I feel like they've uh, hinted at and kind of already adopted that we could look oh, to sure. to say this is where they're headed. I think they're going to be doubling down on those at the very least. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, we've been talking about this several times on the show before, but bringing more studios under their umbrella mm -hmm. to do new and creative projects not just uh like sitting on the same handful of ips and releasing annual sequels mm -hmm. oh, definitely. Um, i think that's that's the main strategy uh i would be interested to see how it plays out more and get some more details on how they think they're taking bold steps mm -hmm. i feel like you have to do something new and interesting to to make that kind of claim but uh I'm just speculating here mostly. Yeah, and I am too whenever talking about this stuff. It's you definitely hit the nail on the head. They're going to they're like they've done with the Xbox One X this generation. They're also leaning into it too with the next generation. They're leaning in with this is going to be the best place to play in terms of performance. If you want the most out of your AAA games, play them here. Um but at the same time, they're going to keep taunting like, "Hey, we got the best value in gaming. Come play on Game Pass. Like, a lot of these games, like, any game of ours that we develop, you're going to be able to play day one at launch on Game Pass for whatever it is, $9.99 a month normally, but 
fuck, half the time they're like, for a dollar for three months or whatever. Like, you can come in and play, like, when Gears came, when Gears 5 came out. You can get in and play it for a buck for three months. Like, that's huge. You're getting, like, a massive AAA game to come and do that. Um, But, I agree. It's more, I want to see, I still don't think they're done with studio acquisitions. I still don't think they're completely done. Especially with how we talked about a few weeks ago, Phil Spencer wanting and been going overseas to Japan, to the West, talking about, hey, you know, we need to have more of a foothold here. And Mike, I think it was Mike and I who talked about it. Um, you know, Xbox had sold, only sold like, it was like, uh, I can't find it, but it was like, I think it's like 40, or it was like 40,000 units or something like asinine they've sold overseas. Like, it's it's absolutely asinine that you know to think that a console that big that's still like in the US has not sold I don't want to say it hasn't sold it hasn't sold what they would hope for but it's still sold ridiculously well a ton of people have Xboxes um you know but given the population density there and how much of a foothold that so many different video game markets have there it's just shocking that xbox hasn't even caught on a little bit like microsoft struggled there forever so to see them have that you know hey we're we're devoted we want to see like bringing fantasy star online 2 over onto xbox being the first console over here in the u.s to have that that's going to be that's huge a ton of people are excited about that um you know i'm hope i'll bring all the final fantasy games over basically to xbox to be able to play first and foremost um on game pass too finally getting all of kingdom hearts like there's more jrpgs that are coming than ever but i think they see the importance of that market and saying yo this is a major fucking hole we have and if we're trying to get as many gamers on board as possible we need to at least start casting more nets out there and we need to give them something a reason to come and play these games on here so I'm, I'm with you. I could see, definitely see that happening, and I wouldn't be shocked if we go into E3 this year and they're like, hey, this X uh, JRPG franchise, the beloved franchise, is coming to Xbox. I mean, fuck, we're seeing the Yakuza series finally come to Xbox now, um, you know, which I never thought. I've always associated that with PlayStation, so it's it's crazy to see that happen. But, Adam, I think we're ready to go into our big topic. What do you think? I think we're ready. All right, let's get into it. So, as most of you probably heard, Last week, Take-Two Interactive published their... They published a financial report. I think it was, like, their third quarter 2020 financial report. I don't know. Math and shit. You know, it's hard. We don't need it. You know, we're talking video games here. But in which, you know, that massive gaming giant of Take-Two and Rockstar stated that Rockstar Games co-founder and vice president of creative Dan Hauser would be leaving the developer in March of this year. Really to say that, really to say that this isn't a massive move within the industry would pretty much be foolish to say the least. I mean, Dan and his brother Sam founded Rockstar Games within Take-Two Interactive in 1998 and literally are responsible for some of the most critically and commercially successful games in the history of games as a medium. Dan specifically has written all over the mainline GTA games since 2, both Red Dead Redemptions, including Undead Nightmare as well, along with Bully, Midnight Club, Max Payne, and much, much, much more. I mean, Dan has been a integral, integral part of every Rockstar game since coming in. I mean, that is... Rockstar games wouldn't be Rockstar games without 
both Dan and Sam Hauser. I mean, it just wouldn't be. We wouldn't have the GTAs, the Rock or the Red Deads that we do now without those two. One doesn't, I think, move without the other, at least bringing us up to now. Um, but, and while he's really kind of been a very low-key persona within the industry, like, he's never taken many interviews, he's never done a ton of media appearances, he's still that name that has always been kind of synonymous with the medium. You always hear about the Hauser brothers whenever talking about Rockstar games. Um, you know, with hit, with history written, though, what is really going to be intriguing is what is yet to come for Rockstar now. And, you know, now that one of the two staples are gone. So today I kind of wanted to talk about Rockstar Games and Dan Hauser, why his writing was so impactful, how the developer evolved their games and how even staggered some of them to a degree. And more importantly, what the future is going to look like for one of gaming's biggest franchises. Um, so kind of just to start off, just to get a baseline here. Adam, I want you to tell me, what's your history with Rockstar Games? You know, what's the first Rockstar game you played ever you know have there been have they been really a staple in your gaming collection growing up even until now have you played a lot of rockstar games and which have you connected with the most i think my first rockstar game was probably vice city for the ps2 um i remember playing that a lot with my brother michael and just kind of like mostly just messing around we he played through the story and i was around for some of it Mm -hmm. um after that, I played some San Andreas at friends' houses. Mm-hmm. I owned GTA 4, but never played it very much. Really loved Red Dead Redemption. That was probably the first um, Rockstar game that I like saw start to finish, mm-hmm. really connected with, and really enjoyed. Um, moving on from that, I never really touched GTA 5. Played some of Red Dead 2 and got through uh, three acts. I got to the part where they're... Um, out in the swamps. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah I, got that. I think that was about three chapters in. Yeah, I got about that far. Um, so, Rockstar's been kind of hit or miss for me. I do like that kind of just open world, go wherever you want and fuck around. It's kind of almost like a, a comedy style game mm-hmm. when you're just, you know, you're not taking missions in GTA. You're just kind of driving around. Maybe you decide you want to start a killing spree at some point. <laughs> um hey you gotta bring out your inner psychopath every now and then you know it was just it was just fun it was uh stupid fun that's mostly how i've interacted with rockstar with the exception of red dead 2 or sorry with the first red dead Mm -hmm. which i adored that game start to finish yeah i i'm really kind of the same way um my first rockstar game that i truly remember that i remember being like I know who makes this game. Like, it, where it stuck out, where, okay, you play Zelda, like, yeah, you know, it's a Nintendo game or whatever, but, you know, as a kid, that's kind of before you realize who makes these games, who does this, even at, like, five or six years old. But then that was really, I think, the first time that I saw, I think it was GTA 3. Yeah, it was definitely GTA 3. Um, at my friend Jonathan's house, I remember going over there, and we had to have been, it was like 2001, so we had to have been like 8 or 9 or something like that at the time. Uh, but I remember his his parents always let him buy the Mature Raid games. Um, mine obviously didn't. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd go over there. It was kind of like what you hear about the the uh, 
you know, somebody from the 80s having the NWA soundtrack hidden from your parents or like Mike and yeah. I kind of like having the M&M CD hidden from our parents. Like it's that type of thing where like I knew I'm like, oh, fuck, I am not supposed to be playing this game. Um, But it was so good. Like everything about it was no game ever touched Grand Theft Auto 3 in terms of at least at that time in terms of just being this open sandbox world that, yeah, there's like you were saying. There's there's quests throughout here, or there's you know missions that you can do. You can get in literally from the start. You break out of prison, you get in the car. Once you drive across the bridge, you can fucking get out of the car with the guy you broke out of prison with. Like you don't have to complete that mission. And then after that, you could just run around and you could put the cheat codes in to get a rocket launcher and just start fucking blowing people up. Um, you know, so you could do whatever in that game. Yeah, there was a mission, but it was about being ingrained in that world and they've always been to me that's always been the one thing that stuck out to me with them was that world um but i didn't really start buying rockstar games really until probably grand theft auto 4 um and even then 4 didn't really i was like you i played a little bit of it it didn't really grab me too much um i didn't really connect with nico um it was still good. I still enjoyed it, but I remember there were a lot of issues with it. It wasn't very smooth, um, but I still enjoyed it. It wasn't a bad game. I just remember I never, I know I never beat it, but like you, Red Dead was the first time I really just got sucked in and instantly was like, this is completely different than, you know, it, it was that almost that GTA three feeling of like, nobody else is doing something like this. Like this is literally you're playing, you're stepping into a Western, a traditional Western movie, and you're playing, like, you were living in this world. This is not just some linear experience like Red Dead Revolver was. Um, this is something that you choose who you are. You could be good, you could be bad, you could do whatever. You know, you don't have to. I'm Fuck, I remember Mike and I and you used to do, we just used to start out in the at uh, the McFarland Ranch, you could just go up to that fire and people would be hanging around there that night and I'd just start fighting with people. We'd just do like a fight club with the guys. Then go to sleep and they'd respawn the NPCs and you'd just start fighting them again and just would fist fight people. Nobody would like exactly. shoot... No one would shoot you because it. the systems were smart enough in that game to be like, oh, he's not using a gun. This is just like a drunken fight. Um, and I just remember a little thing sticking out about that. It was the first game that I really noticed like immersive detail in um especially on that console generation when was the first time you're really starting to see that in you know with the elder scrolls with or with oblivion where you're really starting to get not just you're getting voice dialogue you're getting all kinds of things that make you want to live in that world um but like i was saying before it took me just until recently to finally beat Grand Theft Auto 5's main storyline like I played it a bunch but I never really finished anything of it I never really connected with GTA Online too much I played it a little bit at launch but it was bad at launch now getting back into it like I played it a little bit recently and I'm like yeah I could see why people fucking go crazy over this experience like it it checks so many boxes for so many different types of people um but Red Dead 2 was really i mean it's the most immersive game i've ever played it's the most detailed game i've ever played it's very much it's very much i want to say like a life sim more than gta in the fact of gta doesn't have the little intricacies that red dead has from a character perspective um the obviously the writing's great in both but they're two very different writing styles where gta has always been more satirical and 
Red Dead, even Red Dead has had some satire into the first one much more, but the story was much more, felt almost more classical literature, almost felt more just true to the American, you know, the the American way of life in that time period of the early 1900s um, and late 1800s too. So it, my touchstone, kind of like you, it's hit or miss, but they've always been at times, even if it was a miss, it was respected from afar. Like, I know what you're doing, and you're doing it fucking fantastic. It may just not be for me, but I know you're going to put something out eventually that is for me. Um, so, kind of speaking on that, when we're talking about different aspects of Rockstar that we like and dislike even, um, when you think of Rockstar games and the design of these games from narrative and world-building aspects, what does come to mind? Like, what is the first thing you think of when you think of a Rockstar game their narrative, and the worlds within them. Like, what do you think about? GTA has always seemed, and, and Rockstar in general, but mostly GTA, I think, is kind of the core of their oeuvre. And oh. it's it's like this transgressive sense of humor. It's kind of got like a South Park feel to it. It can uh-huh. get crude at times. It's intensely satirical. Uh, and sometimes it has something, I think, worthwhile to say Mm -hmm. a lot of the times it's kind of just taking the piss out of other things and saying this is shit or this is ridiculous i think kind of juxtaposing how serious these characters are and how serious they take themselves Mm -hmm. with the absolute ridiculous shit that they get up to but they think is just normal what's always good about that just to kind of because you're pulling on a little bit of a thread that i have always thought about um it they do that, and it is very like South Park is always that thing I think of whenever I think GTA because of the satirical nature of it and just leaning into it. But what's great about GTA and South Park that they both share that I think makes their satirical material resonate with so many people and it has longevity to it and not just one liner jokes done. They they build it into the lore of that world. Like, they take, like, if you see a joke that's in a South Park episode from season 10, they keep it within that lore. Like, okay, they have, they had, uh, you know, whatever type of iPad or whatever that was causing the uh, human centipede type thing to happen within the show at the time. Like, they were signing the, they they wouldn't read the terms and conditions on Apple, and really they were signing themselves away to be part of, like, a human centipede or something like that. So... Okay. It's, it's stuff like that but like they would still be making jokes about that like five seasons later but like in just like throwaway lines like or you'd see something in the background that's like talking about that or like a news report where it gta has always been very much like that where it it only it takes more real life aspects and it really mirrors them and puts their own twist on it but they do the same thing where it's like Oh, yeah, yeah. You may have heard of that a while ago. Like, they still have certain models of car that are shitting on people that are still in the game now. And they're like, they're most games, some of their games are in the same universe, but aren't. And like, they've never really confirmed a lot of that. But like, they're just these little things within the lore that carry over and they just ingrained it into there. But continue. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But I was going to say, just like, it's sort of piggybacking of what you were just saying like mm-hmm. it's the it's the radio stations it's the mm-hmm. restaurant change chains it's the businesses you go to it's the people you meet on the street where like uh this this ridiculous pastiche of american life is on full display mm-hmm. every inch of the territory is covered in the like 
it's just oozing all of this like oh look at corporate america and <laughs> oh look at these greedy capitalists or oh look at these like i don't know no i i totally agree that's and it's something that i think is so like they've always and, and same with south park like you've always especially in and we'll kind of there's a point that i want to talk about a little bit later on in our discussion but you know with kind of like south park in today's like climate weather you know and I, we don't like to get politi- really political too much on the show outside of we've only really done it once with the blitz chung situation which deserved to be talked about and have a voice involving that but um you know left right indifferent whatever but obviously the political climate in america is very 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 up in the air it is very tense it is very you know we very much at times are a country divided in a lot of ways socially you know so but just like south park Rockstar has never leaned, they've always leaned into and not away. Like, not that they double down just to piss people off, but they they stick to their guns. They stick to, like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, we're clearly satire. We're clearly doing these things for a laugh. Like, you either like it or you don't. We don't know what to tell you. Um, You know, but, and that's something I've always kind of respected about them and always something that when I think of the way they design their worlds and when I think of that, it's like unabashedly, Rockstar, like they're just so unabashedly themselves and people love them for themselves like and at the same time they're still willing to adapt depending on the game like back in the day you know te- we're talking like you know 15 years ago now people were just willing to see Rockstar games because they were you know hot topics they were very much taboo they were very much known for blood gore uh, you know, sex, drugs, all that shit. And people, that was what was in the zeitgeist at that time. And people, they leaned into that. That's what they wanted. But they also, people also knew that their games were fun to play. So they were, like, they were appealing to so many audiences, but they were staying to themselves at the same time. And then whenever they started to branch out and do a couple more experiences that were different than GTA with Bully, there was still that feeling of satirical, slapsticky, while also you know, mirroring life in a way. Like, it was very much, okay, well, this is what it would be like in this world if a bully went to this campus and was being bullied by other bullies. Like, it, it's just very much like, it just, they they leaned into what makes their games great. And now that they're still, now that they're still evolving at times too, you look at Red Dead 2, Red Dead 2 is, while it's kept a lot of the heart of the original Red Dead, it's vastly a different game. Um, you know, from the the narrative voice that it has from the writing, like it is two different games in terms of there isn't so much of that Grand Theft Auto satirical nature. It's more grounded in reality. It's more grounded in immersion. And it's wanting to be this almost modern classic piece of literature than the slapstickiness. But that's what their fans wanted and that's what their fans appreciated. So I just keep thinking of they're so unabashedly them and they're going to do what makes like what they've done so well over the years, but also not afraid to evolve, uh, at least from a writing standpoint. I, I think that's why Dan leaving is so impactful, um, especially just across the medium. But so kind of sticking on immersion, I was talking about Red Dead. 
we always hear about the immersion of Rockstar titles, you know, as each new title gets released and gets in the hands of players with, like I said, the pinnacle really being Red Dead 2 so far. Have the systems that Rockstar built to increase that immersion ever been a detractor for you when playing their game? So, for example, the nourishment systems in GTA or uh, GTA San Andreas and Red Dead 2, which, you know, hey, if you eat a lot, you're going to get fat and yeah, you're going to have more health, but your stamina is going to get affected and your speed's not going to be as fast. But if you don't eat, you're going to lose a lot of weight and yeah, you're actually going to be pretty, you're going to be lighter, so you're going to be faster, but you're not going to be as healthy and you're losing health and having to keep up with that. Have things like that, these systems they built to help build that immersion ever gotten in your way of enjoying the game or have they always added to it? I'll say the examples that you gave definitely added to my enjoyment. First playing San Andreas at a friend's house, being like, like a a young teen. I think I was at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would look at a system like that and be like, Oh, that's cool. I never thought that a game would just do that, but Hey, I can go to this fast food. I can go to um, what's the place called? The uh, chicken restaurant. Yeah, Cluck and Bell. Cluck and Bell. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You go to the Cluck and Bell. You <laughs> wharf down like a whole bucket, and suddenly, you know, these stats start rising, and you're like, "Oh, I didn't know this would happen. I was just <laughs> eating chicken." Um, that's uh, that's what adulthood does to you. Your metabolism changes suddenly. Everything's different. You can't eat the way you used to eat, children. I know all about that. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, I thought that was pretty cool. And there were tons of other examples in that game that were like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cases where I feel like Rockstar may go too far. Um, this might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but some of the things that turned me off of Red Dead 2 were these quote-unquote, immersion-increasing systems. Um, And under the right lens, I feel like I could grow to appreciate them, but the way that I approached the game on the first try, I felt like I was in a rush to just, I want to see more story. I want to see more. I want to do more. I want to get everything done. And I was trying to power game it, and really, Red Dead wants you to take things slow and savor the experience. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it takes forever to loot all of the cash and the ammo off of bodies after a gunfight that kind of slowed me down. Um, the fact that it takes a long time to get anywhere you want to go because there is fast travel kind of, but not really. Um, that takes away from my experience a little bit. And if I were to go back, I feel like I would try to approach the game more on its own terms mm-hmm. with its kind of lackadaisical, not lackadaisical, but it's, uh, it's sort of, it's sort of moseying pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'd have a better time with it if I, approached it that way i mean it, it is very 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 much a slow burn um i was expecting because in just the way I, I and that's just me i guess but i was expecting very much a still a a pacing of the original red dead when i came into red dead 2 um i mean you start right at the beginning of that game you're going to find bill williamson and you're immediately thrown to some action you're immediately hit with some story plot you're immediately moving and doing things around the mcfarland ranch that lead you on in the game and it's it's much more boom 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 and to be fair that's because it was very much i don't think they took as many risks with that game compared to red dead 2 obviously but they very much use the gta model gta does have that pacing where it's boom 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 because it's all about Guns, glory, fast cars, women, snorting coke, like, that's that's just that 
style of game. It is for that audience that it reaches. And they wanted to use that only in more of a Western setting. So they adapt a lot of, you know, the different, you know, thematical pieces within that. But they kept that very much structure of, hey, you're moving, you're doing things, you're always doing something where Red Dead 2 was, okay, let's let's break that down and let's just, let's keep, like, let's take each one of these little pieces and kind of make it, a, not its own plot line within it, but let's just expand that a little. So, like, take, for example, like, the Pinkerton Detective Agency. You know, the one thing that, while it was slower, it tried to add importance to all those slower moments. So, an example, I don't know if you got to this, I can't remember what part it's in, but... Did you do the fishing mission in Red Dead 2? Where you take uh, Jack out fishing? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, where it's like... It, and it always kind of reminded me... That moment always reminded me of the, like, fishing in Ocarina of Time because, like, they always present you... Or in... Really in Zelda, I guess, in general, but Ocarina of Time was the first one to really kind of do it to that magnitude where it's like here's this whole open world with Hyrule. You can go and explore it. There's different things to do in each community. Uh, you know, you can go to like Hylia and you can go fishing and just fish to fish. Like that's just in the game. You could do it, but it's always like, Oh, the prince is in trouble. You got to hurry and go do this. And you're off fucking fishing. Where in like Red Dead <laughs> two, like I kind of felt that same way where I'm like, okay, but you know, I should be doing this and yada, yada. But it felt like each mission in Red Dead had a purpose to it. Um, that, like, with that, for example, that fishing mission, at the end of it, it ties in the Pinkertons because somehow, you know, they get wind of you being in that area and they're able to follow you because of, I think it's Jack that they see and see where he goes and they kind of use him being a dumb kid, not knowing what he's doing, to follow you guys and get find out where Arthur's at. And it makes that it adds importance to that. Um, you know, so at the same time though, like the different systems within red dead never necessarily like took, took me away too much. I'd always forget to eat. Um, which in real life is never the, never the case. I always remember. (laughs) Um, so Arthur art doesn't necessarily imitate life in that manner. Um, but is that a pun? Art? Yes. Yes. Literally. Um, Arthur, like, my Arthur was always, like, I was like you. I wanted to go to the next story beat. Wanted to go to the next story beat. And, like, that's what threw me off at the beginning to Red Dead. I was very much just wanting to do that. But once I kind of, once it kind of clicked that I'm like, okay, this is just a different experience. There's so much more to do in here than Red Dead 1. Um, There's so much different avenues. They've blown this whole thing up for you to go in. You know, each area has a minuscule community within it that you know everything you do in it has a purpose and has an action that i found myself then wanting to go and do the extra things and do the extra little systems to build into that like you were saying play it at play it the way it's asking to be played i guess or approaching it on its terms like once i started doing that i enjoyed it a lot more and um you know i was kind of talking about it before that it's one of my favorite games it's probably on my list of like top 50 games of all time, if not maybe top 25. Um, I adored Red Dead 2. But like I thought, like I was saying, I'm surprised I want to jump back into it because it's very one, very much one of those games that it's like, I played it. I respect the hell of it. I loved it. 
I'm done. I don't think I'm going to come back to this one because it's such a time commitment and you get so immersed in that world. Because, yeah. And for me, all of the systems clicked for me. Like I enjoyed those things. Um, you know, the different things uh, that you could do with your horse, the different things that you can do with cleaning your guns to making sure uh, to help with your accuracy and make sure the guns didn't misfire and different things like that. Um, that stuff I all liked. It was just like, I wanted to live in that world. So, um, kind of moving on, I want to talk about and kind of move the discussion into the land of GTA online. Um, because that's now such a big entity for rockstar. So GTA online really has evolved into something that I'm sure rockstar games necessarily didn't expect due to its longevity speaking, at least, you know, and kind of due to that own longevity, Grand Theft Auto 5 is continuously one of the top-selling games on NPD charts every single month. And at this point, is the most financially successful game of all time. Um, every Literally every month, you pull up, you know, game sold numbers, and you look at the units sold, Red Dead is... Or Red Dead. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 is always in there. It is always part of that. It is always part of a, a seven-year-old game granted re-released is always in that top like 20 it is always selling like crazy it continues Mm -hmm. to sell it is always selling um to the fact that i think that has you know played into grand theft auto 6 not necessarily being here yet i think that's pushed a lot of stuff i think that pushed i think that pushed red dead 2 you know i don't know for sure but my gut feels pretty strong saying i feel like that definitely took you know some time out of it but you know, but while Red Dead Online hasn't quite been the success of GTA Online, GTA Online didn't start great either. Do you think Red Dead Online still has the potential to evolve into something of the magnitude of GTA Online, or really has that ship sailed? Has the zeitgeist pushed on beyond that? Um, you know, has does the Red Dead IP, I guess, could it potentially have the same pool if built up in a certain way like GTA Online does? I feel like GTA 5 at this point is just feels way more feature complete and it feels like much more of a playground. I haven't really experienced or read much about Red Dead 2's online. Um, it's always felt to me like the Red Dead setting is less of a playground for your mirth and mayhem as GTA. And as far as I know, that's kind of the same type of gameplay they're going for with both online services. I could be wrong. Um, I haven't played much of either, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. But I I do think that something about Red Dead does hold it back. I think it's the tone and the atmosphere of the setting that's kind of like, eh, it doesn't feel quite as interesting to fuck around and cause chaos and all that stuff. I think it's a great spot to, like, you know, a bunch of your friends log on. You're like, all right, boys, we're going to rob a train today. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what's, what, what's the heist going to be this time? And you're kind of like playing out an alternate version of events as if it was you and your friends in the, in Dutch's, uh, Dutch Vanderlyn's gang rather than the characters that were on screen in the single player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I think whenever, when I think of those two entities, me personally, like I said, I've always I've always gravitated more towards the Red Dead IP. I think just because of the touchstones I've had in my life with entertainment and that that sect of that genre, I guess, of entertainment. Um, 
you know, that's always resonated a little more with me. But, you know, they are so parallel in so many ways. But like you said, GTA Online just... I'm the same way. I I don't have a ton of touchdown with it. I'd love to get our, our buddy Mike Collins, who has been on the show before. He was on our remaster uh, episode. Definitely go check that out. Um, he plays a lot of GTA Online and G, uh, Red Dead Online. Or I think more Red Dead Online now. But um, he, him and his uh, girlfriend play a lot of that. And they, like... I know they have certain, they'll set up, they have a couple of friends they play with that they just, they make sure they're online, they do stuff together. They have all kinds of different things in that world planned out that they go and do. And, you know, it's great to see that community. It seems like, though, the Red Dead community is such a more hardcore audience comparative to the GTA Online one. But I think that's because, like you said, the GTA Online feels more content complete. It feels like there's just this, almost like a back catalog of a bevy of things you could just do in there like you would just think of something and you could probably do it they have races of every different kind they have traditional races to ridiculous ones where you're driving and then you start flying and then you dive into the ocean and like in the same car like it's it's the things that they that community is able to build within it and what rockstar is able to build within it is just ridiculous and that's and i think that's you know obviously like I said before, stunted, like, hey, why don't we hold, why don't we pump the brakes on GTA 6? We got something here. Let's focus on this. Um, almost to the extent of, like you saw with Telltale, focusing more on, hey, we're going to focus on The Walking Dead and these IP comparative to, you know, Wolf Among Us until it was too late, really. Um, but, you know, obviously, completely different magnitudes we're talking about. But, um, yeah, I, I just think... I think there's a potential for Red Dead because I think now with the critical, even greater critical success that Red Dead saw and the sales to back it up comparative to the first, I think I think there's still a chance. I don't think the simp, the ship has fully, you know, left the dock yet and set sail. I think there's time, especially with how much how much money Rockstar invests into their online services now. And especially, too, with how, one, how important backwards compatibility is going to be on both console platforms moving into next-gen. Both have said there's some form of it, so PlayStation 4 and Xbox One games are both going to be able to play the, this game. I full, Really, probably both GTA 5 and Red Dead, but definitely Red Dead 2. Um, but also, too, now having the PC market open with Red Dead... I think that opens up such a bigger can of worms because there's so many more people playing online games, I think, traditionally on PC um, and being such an easier platform to do that, that, you know, I think that's where you're going to see that because that's where a lot of the Sea of Thieves, um, you know, player base is from. You look at the uh, the um, Summit 1Gs that are out there pushing that game. They're all PC players. They're all pushing that. That's where that hardcore community is, and that's where you see more growth coming from, and Xbox Game Pass does help on both regards. But, um, and two, now GTA 5 is on Game Pass, you know, with GTA Online. So it's, you know, it's just crazy to think that it's evolved. I never would have thought GTA Online would have evolved into this. I thought it was always just going to be the fun side project where now this is the main thing from what it feels like. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into my next thing I want to talk about, actually. You know, so first, like we're saying, kind of alluding to there, first and foremost, games industry is a business. Games are developed and produced to make money. 
plain as that. I mean, yes, there is, you know, we're making this because we want to make this and yada yada, but the people who are funding it also, hey, it's got to make money. Um, so, yes, th- this is still, you know, toys for adults and kids we're talking about here <laughs> at the end of the day. But, you know, with that said, with the same longevity we just kind of talked about with GTA Five. Why do you think we haven't seen any paid single-player content for either GTA V or Red Dead Redemption 2? Like, sure, microtransactions in the form of credit cards and GTA Online make Take-Two money hand over fist, but, I mean, paid single-player DLC would still make a killing with how big both of their install bases are. I mean, wouldn't you think? I mean, look at how traditionally how well-received Undead Nightmare was between yeah. with Red Dead 1 and hell even looking at granted we're talking about last generation you know the zeitgeist of both are so completely different now um you know Grand Theft Auto 4 had the Ballad of Gay Tony and was really reviewed as one of the best DLCs of all time across gaming so I mean what do you think I mean why don't you think we've seen any single player DLC and even a paid content format for GTA and Red Dead I'm not really sure it seems like single player DLC had been their model all the way up through GTA four and red dead one. Uh, it's weird that we haven't seen it and it might be, it might be that they're avoiding some kind of negative reaction from, I don't know, nasty loud gamer types who are like, Oh, look at, I can't believe they're trying to package up this store. These story elements as DLC. Like I should be able to, pay full price and get the whole game and not have to pay for parts of it. And there, there is a kernel of uh, truth to that argument, I suppose, but I think some of it just tends to get a bit over the top. Mm-hmm. I can't really speak to why they haven't continued that model through their most recent titles. It would be interesting to see that type of thing come back. I know undead nightmare was one of my favorite, just if I could think of top five, downloadable content expansion pack or whatever types of things that would probably be up there as you know something that stands out as here's a dlc that really speaks for itself yeah and that's the thing like granted yes you know last generation uh, we're almost talking last generation is almost the generation we're in yeah. now. so you know the 360 ps3 generation yes that generation was very much the paid single player DLC was that was a big thing for that generation. That's where you saw so many games do that comparatively, you know, that's where people, whenever, you know, games publishers were saying, Hey, games are becoming more expensive to develop and things like that. You know, we got to find ways to get more out of the consumer while still not hurting their just straight up upfront cost. Hey, let's do whether it's microtransactions in terms of skins, in terms of, uh, you know, different in-game currency or whatever. That's when you start to see that. But the big thing where people found, or developers and publishers found a lot of success in was the paid DLC, where you're getting legitimate content for games for a small price. Usually it's under, you know, it's between 10 to 20 bucks, no more. You know, you're, you're getting, it's a pretty reasonable price to pay for the content you're getting, especially in that generation, games like Oblivion, Skyrim, Red Dead, GTA, um, what else? There were tons of games that just came out that had these massive, massive content updates that you're getting, like, full games almost out of them from what it felt like at times. Um, You know, so 
in the, you still have seen that a lot in this generation too, but it's been, I think more with more games having more microtransactions in the, in the form of, I think they've got that closer to a science now where it's like, okay, consumers, if it's only cosmetics, consumers are more likely to be like, okay, cool. Like if I want to buy that, that's great, but it doesn't ruin anything from the actual game. If it's just cosmetics, cool. We don't mind doing that. Um, you know, a lot of free to free to play games that succeed the Fortnites, the, um, what's the other, the Apexes, like where those are the things that it's only cosmetics. Like, yeah, people are cool to support that because it doesn't affect the game where now you're seeing more free single player content come out for these games, or it's, at a very small rate, comparatively speaking, to last generation. Um, mm -hmm. but it still shocks me with how big Rockstar is and how much money that they made off of GTA Online. And I'm sure Red Dead Online too. I'm sure if it wasn't financially successful, they probably wouldn't be doing it or be pushing it like they do. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure it is very much financially successful with such a big install base. Um, you know, with both of those making so much money, you would think they would at least have some team out there, a small subsect of the Red Dead team, the GTA team, that's, hey, you know, this group, this isn't a, hey, we need this done now. It's a, hey, just work. This is kind of a side thing. Work on this, you know, devote your time to this, but we don't need to rush. We don't need to crunch on this. This is something, you know, Hey, if we get it out in six months, cool. We get it out in six months, six months. We, you have all the assets, everything's made. Now we got to just build something from what we've already built. Um, like a lot of DLC, but it just shocks me that they've made money hand over fist that even if they put it out for 10 bucks, people would fucking gobble it up. They'd make so much money off of it. <laughs> like everybody in their brother yeah. for the most part has GTA five or, Red Dead 2, specifically GTA 5. Like, so many people have GTA 5. It just it just shocks me with how, over a seven-year period, they haven't done anything with it. Um, it's just kind of sad. Like, I I just remember them being so, so lucrative and so giving with how, with the content they had. Like, they always wanted to push content with these games. Like, Undead Nightmare, where Undead Nightmare was literally, like, a full-on revamp of the campaign in a way, or in the single-player story, but was completely different. Like, you're still in the same area, but it's all literally zombies are taking over now, and it's a completely Elseworlds-type experience that it just shocks me that something like that that was so well-received and people are asking for, it's like, it's not like only us, you know, a vocal minority are, it's the loud majority this time. Um, and it just shocks me that there was not even, you know, any stab at it even so um so kind of rounding out our discussion kind of bringing it back to dan hauser here a little bit and you know talking about these games and seeing how impactful his writing has been within you know these games that we've been talking about i want to kind of pull a quote and this was this comes from right when red dead was about to launch uh right around that, i think it was yeah it was like october of 2018 so like right around the launch of red dead you know in when Dan was holding one of the few interviews he does, um, you know, he started kind of talking on somebody brought up GTA six and the potential of doing that. And he kind of had this to say, and I'm, I'm really kind of curious talking about the future of rockstar. So quote, 
The current political environment in the U.S. has made it really unclear what we would even do with it when speaking about GTA 6, let alone how upset people would get with whatever we did. Both intense liberal progression and intense conservatism are both very militant and very angry. It is scary, but it's also strange, and yet both of them seem occasionally to veer towards the absurd. It's hard to satirize for those reasons. Some of the stuff you see is straightforward beyond satire. It would be out of date within two minutes. Everything is changing so fast. So with that, his quote being out there, first I want to ask, do you think GTA 6 will be a traditional entry as we've seen before? Or is this the point where, given the success of GTA Online, they just literally take the next entry fully online? Do you think we're going to see a traditional GTA? Or do you think this is the time where we get really GTA Online 2, parentheses, GTA 6 type of deal. It could be if they end up not being able to clear this hurdle of how do we reconcile our our style of writing and the kind of stories we've always wanted to tell with GTA with feeling like we can't really do it in our current environment. Um, that might be one way they could solve the problem is just uh, not confront it at all. Just make it a fully online game and we'll, we'll keep all of the same surface trappings, but the story won't be there in the way that it's been uh, in the way that it has been in the past. Yeah. I, I think if they would I see, it wouldn't shock me because at the same time, like while Dan is leaving in March here, and this is now like official, like he's, he's done. He's been on sabbatical. No, I shouldn't say he's been on a leave since I think it was, not long after Red Dead. Like, he was, he's been on, like, a six-month leave uh, mm-hmm. with Rockstar. So he hasn't necessarily been fully ingrained in Rockstar for the past half year plus. So, you know, once he wrapped with Red Dead, he was pretty much like, hey, I'm good. I'll see you guys for a while. Um, so it's, it's really, you haven't seen his touch on a lot of things since probably, you know, we're talking a year and a half ago. Um and even then, Dan being a writer, he was an executive producer as well. There's certain things that obviously he oversees. He's the vice president of creative for these games. So I am I guarantee he has to be that person who is the final yes, no on a lot of elements within the story, within gameplay, things like that, that are still, you know, part of the design aspects and creative aspects of it. Narrative being one, but I think with how much take to, pushes to get hey we want to we want these online services we want something for people to come back in daily to play we want this we we're more it seems like they're more focused on hey we want yes we love being able to sell this game to millions of people who enjoy this story and we're so happy that we have this story but usually games like that they're in the zeitgeist for you know two months and then kind of on to the next one. There's rarely you get the one game that's like, and outside of yes, game of the year discussion comes up. Yes, it's great. And some games transcend that, but it's not always a guarantee in most of them. It's yeah, this game was great. And then, okay, now what's next? Um, where they're more focused on, Hey, we want to get all these people, but what can we do to get the person who buys two games a year, one game a year, and this is the game they're playing for the next year plus. This mm-hmm. is the game that they're, when they turn their PlayStation to Xbox, 
PC on, this is what they're playing. Um, you know, like a Destiny, like a Anthem is trying to be, like a Rainbow Six Siege, like all these live service games where it's a lived-in world for the most part that you see with GTA Online, what you see with Red Dead Online. They're, I think they're more, their company is just starting to go that route of, hey, here's here's a platform. And we're more focused on, we want everybody in, but we want everybody to come and just keep playing this game. And single player doesn't necessarily do that for a lot of people. Yeah, there's replayability, and their games are so open world that there's so many different things. Like the the Strangers and Freaks missions within Red Dead and GTA. Like, there's so many side quests and different things, and those worlds are so lived in and breathed in. But they could take those worlds and put them online, and you could do it with buddies, and you could do anything under the sun in those worlds that is more lucrative to them on top of just what they probably think is more immersive at the end of the day. Uh, I disagree, but hey, you know, I can I can't I can't knock them for necessarily thinking that if they're if it ain't broke don't fix it type of deal with them making money hand over fist. I mean, they keep selling fucking copies of, of GTA 5. So, um right. But kind of following up to this, you know, secondly really to the quote that Dan had is Dan right in saying that it'd be difficult to develop a new GTA in today's climate. And really, if so, how can a new GTA be made while appealing to a multitude of audiences, you know, either thematically or from a gameplay perspective? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's, it's tough, man. Like I was thinking about that today as I was putting the show notes together and I hear like, there's so many rumors. I, I follow and I'm kind of in tune with a lot of, I don't want to say, I don't want it's, it makes it sound much cooler than it probably is, but like the underbelly of like games talk and stuff like that. Like I hear a lot of people throw hot takes and I hear a lot of people who some have legitimate information and some have very real in, you know, inside information on games and stuff that's in development. Um, Mm -hmm. And others are just like throwing caution to the wind. But it's literally every every games leak, every rumor mill, it's always GTA is always that one game that's always in it. And, you know, I hear so many people being like, oh, well, the next one's going to be in, you know, next one's going to be basically going back to Vice City. But it's going to be literally because it's themed in it's themed of Miami, like they're taking inspiration from Miami and basing it in Florida. Oh, you know, we're. Uh, it's going to, the next one's going to be Vice City, but it's only, it's going to be the whole state of Florida and you can go like, not really the whole state, but you're going to travel such long distances and mm-hmm. go from city to city and it's going to span. It's going to take a while and to fast travel, you have to buy plane or you'll fly a plane and all this stuff. And like almost to the immersion level of Red Dead 2, um, you know, and I, I could see that stuff, but it just, at the same time, like obviously these games aren't coming out this year they're coming out on next gen consoles but you know it's i just i find it so hard to what they would do next because they have gta online like it seems like it's that ever evolving platform that continues to bring more people in like i was just kind of talking about like the game keeps selling people keep fucking buying it (laughs) yeah so I I don't know, man. What do you think? I mean, do you think it's hard to 
make a GTA game and like like he was saying and like we kind of agree on like the political climate and the social climate in really speaking the US that or at least our market that we're talking about and games in general I mean a lot of games news and coverage at least on a mainstream level is based out of the US that you know would that be able to succeed the way that previous titles have given this you know social climate that we're in I mean what do you think I don't know if they can keep writing the way they've been writing. I feel like a a Rubicon has been crossed. Uh, the, the veil has been torn. And something about America is different today than it was when every other GTA game was made. We've kind of passed a point of no return. And I don't think the old style of their satire is going to work anymore. For one, I don't think it's exactly their place anymore having made all of the money that they have and being in the position that they're in of, of let's be honest of privilege, power and influence to be kind of talking down to their audience and telling them what's wrong with the country they live in. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if they really have the right to tell that story anymore. Maybe the future of GTA is to just leave that style behind, just continue with, the traditions of gameplay of of i guess design but maybe not so much with the story mm-hmm. i mean but I could, I could there's def- a chance that they that they could take a crack at it and i don't know how successful they would be i could definitely and this is just kind of thinking out loud i can definitely see the more i think about it, the more i understand why the approach I mean, because really, at the end of the day, GTA is their main franchise. Hard Stop, as much as Red Dead sold, as much as it's critically acclaimed, Grand Theft Auto is the fucking franchise to end all franchises in video games right now. At least at this point. And it is going to be that game franchise that is going to sell more than anybody. So that is their top, that's their top dollar. That is, that is what is most important to them. I can see why they thematically changed the way that Red Dead 2 is presented compared to 1 and even GTA 2 as almost like a toe in the water to see okay if we go this route really peeling back all of the slapsticky real satire moments of the original Red Dead which there were less comparative to GTA at the time but pulling it was very much very satirical, but pulling back those slapsticky moments of that and really basing this in immersion, basing this in realism, let's see how this does. And if people like it, this may be the way we make GTA 6. This is, may be the way that we succeed with a new GTA in the you know climate of the world today and society in general. Um, it just, it seems to click for me now. Like seeing that, like thinking about it out loud, I'm like, Man, I can really see why they did that now. Like, because GTA is what's really going to make them continue to make them all their money at the end of the day. Um, I could definitely see them going the route of realism, immersion over that slapsticky. Like, I could see it almost being a not set in that time period, but very much a like Irishman, like a Martin Scorsese film instead of a you know kind of you know, fun heist movie that, you know, is made by Matt Stone and Trey Parker type of deal. 
Yeah. Like, I feel like uh, those games have always kind of wanted to be a prestigious film as mm-hmm. well. Like, they, they kind of want to tackle that same sort of aesthetic. Well, that's what I remember reading, you know, just doing... When, when I knew this was kind of the topic we were going to talk talk about i you know i've known about rockstar i've known about all the stuff i've known about the housers and things like that but wanted to do more on the history part of it because i never really like looked into it i've just always known rockstar to be there and focus on this but one of their pillars when they founded rockstar games and really moved starting with gta 3 and moved into the 3d space and had the technology and stuff they wanted to provide the best gameplay possible but have it have the presentation rival that of film and cinema like, that was in their, like, mission statement is a sticking point of that's what we want to focus on is being able to combat movies. And we want to be a pillar in that conversation of when people say, oh, well, yeah, video games are fun. But, you know, look at, you know, the Oscars were just yesterday. Look at the Irishman. Look at 1917. They're the people who are wanting to say, uh, yeah, but do you, have you seen the story of Red Dead 2? Have you seen, you know the yeah it's satire but have you seen the writing and the presentation of grand theft auto 5 like they're they're being able to take true hard evidence and say no we can we can hang we can hang here you know what i mean like have you and different developer obviously but you know very much in the same vein that now you see so many developers you know and so many first party developers especially invest in third person narrative focused games god of war spider-man uh hell gears of war now is in that you know context too where they're focused on story and you know being a third person action game more than a shooter at the end of the day so i i could see it i could definitely see if they if gta gta 6 is going to succeed no matter what they put out i don't think anybody's going to not buy it um i think it'll be received vastly more critically well received if they go the route of red dead 2 and keep the heart there but thematically change what that style of game is i guess um more from that end but adam i think that's gonna do it for our show i think we talked enough about red dead and rockstar games and grand theft auto and how the fuck were if GTA Six is ever going to come out? Which it it definitely is. I mean, <laughs> they the, like that's what I hear. So many people like I hear so many people like. Well, if GTA Six does come out, I'm like, it's coming. Don't it's worry, fucking coming. I mean, do you not want money? Like Rockstar's yeah. like, nah. You know what? We'll leave a billion plus dollars on the table. We're good. We're good. You know, well, nah, nah. We're good. We're good. Yeah, mm-hmm. We got we got GTA Online. Yeah, you know. Adam, I think that's going to do it for this week. Why don't they, you tell people where they can find you to talk about Rockstar Games, uh, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead, all that jazz, and just video games alike. Where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about video games? You guys can find me online uh, on Twitter at AC underscore Marshy. That's AC underscore M-A-R-S-H-Y. What about you, Travis? And as always, I'm your host, Travis Waite, a.k.a. Travis on most internet platforms, including Twitter at Travelis underscore that's t-r-a-v-l-e-s-s underscore you could also find me streaming from time to time on twitch.tv slash travelis underscore same as twitter and 
if you want to play some video games with me over on Xbox Live, you can find me over there at Regular Travelish, just T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox and Xbox Game Pass, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show each and every Friday morning when they drop on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get those and follow us on Twitter at GP, GC Podcast, stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games alike, and our dope giveaways like our Doom Eternal giveaway that we talked about at the top of the show. Make sure you click that link below and get entered for that. So, Adam, that's it. That's it for our show this week. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of this growing community. Go out there, play them fucking video games, and we will see you next week.